the time is fulfilled. Mark 1, 15 says, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The kingdom life is now. I'm going to break this passage down bit by bit and see what is truly being declared for us to enter into. The first part says the time is fulfilled. The first thing to note is that this is an absolute statement of truth. Jesus is saying the time is fulfilled. There is no leeway here or a maybe, but the time is fulfilled. The reason Jesus can say this is because he has personally arrived. The time is fulfilled because his very physical presence is the fulfillment of the words spoken of by the prophets. He is about to start his purpose for coming to earth. He has just been baptized in water and power fire. He has passed the test of temptations, lies and deception by Satan in the wilderness. And he is ready to declare the kingdom of God to which he is a king. Jesus has fulfilled the law and the prophets and he is present to impart the kingdom of God into and through the lives of all his followers. All those who will repent and believe in the gospel of the kingdom message, not just John's message of repentance of sin and iniquity, will enter into this new spiritual kingdom truth and reality of eternal life. This is a now reality. Matthew 5.17 Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. John 16.16 The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the gospel of the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is forcing his way into it. Jesus did what no one else was able to do, and he did it as a man. As he lay aside his divinity and became a bonsoon, Philippians 2. No man had ever been able to keep the law, the 613 ceremonial laws and the Ten Commandments. And yet when Jesus came, when the time was fulfilled, he fulfilled the law. He did what no other man could do to make us right in God's eyes so we could now live out this true eternal kingdom life. He made the way for us to live out a life of righteousness, which firstly is in the ability to keep the two commandments that Jesus now taught. These commandments are the great commandments. This is the law of Christ or the law of love, Galatians 5.14. Matthew 22.36-40 Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. The Pharisees were trying to be right in God by keeping their 613 ceremonial laws and the 10 commandments that God had given them. But it was impossible for them to achieve this righteousness through this way. If you broke one law, you broke them all. The law or the tutor was put in place for us to see our absolute need for Christ and yet many Israelites missed him when he was present to fulfill his kingdom mandate. John 5, 38-40 This is what John 4, 7-26 is all about when Jesus declares the statement in verse 23-24. to 24. 
but an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshippers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. True worshippers of spirit and truth are fully capable now of living a life of righteousness because the one who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 and 1 Peter 2.24 We have been reborn with a brand new spirit. This is mind-blowing. Abraham lived by faith, absolutely convinced of God's spoken word, as he was obedient to this. Hence it, his faith was credited to him as being the righteousness of God. The law was not in place yet, so it was Abraham's faith that made him righteous. The righteous shall live by faith. To not live by faith is sin, and to not do what you know is right to do is sin. Romans 14.23, James 4.17 Sin means to miss the mark to miss the newfound standard of faith in Christ. Even though the law was introduced, it was only for a specific time until Christ would be revealed on earth to be the sacrifice that animals ultimately couldn't fulfill. The cleansing of sin and iniquity, which would open up this entire kingdom of God dimension to all those of spirit and truth. Hebrews 10, 1-10 For the law, since it was only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things, can never by the same sacrifice, which they offer continually year by year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered because the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins year by year it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you have not designed, but a body you have prepared for me. In whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me, to do your will, O God. After saying above, sacrifice and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have not desired, nor have you taken pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. The prophets spoke of this day and declared it into the earth in the hope that those who had ears to hear would hear of it and come into this kingdom life. There are well over 375 prophecies from the prophets of Jesus coming as Messiah, the one who would come and redeem mankind and establish his kingdom upon the earth. The Israelites would miss their time of visitation of Jesus and ultimately miss out on being the subjects that God had chosen firstly to establish his spiritual kingdom in and through. The Gentiles would pick up this mandate along with Jews who would believe. This reality was written before the foundation of the earth, so we are all chosen people, even though there is an order. Luke 19, 42-44 
if you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now you have been hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you on on every side, and they will level you to the ground and your children with you, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. I wonder if we are missing the time of our visitation to come into this kingdom life. The Bible says today is the day of our salvation, and we are not to harden our hearts like the Israelites did when the word of God is spoken. The Israelites never entered into the rest of God because they couldn't hear the word of God because of the hardness of their hearts. Unbelief was at the forefront of their hearts, even though God did miracles in their presence. Does any of this sound familiar? Have we entered into kingdom rest, Sabbath rest that Jesus promises is found in him? It says we are to fear, have a holy reverence if we are still to enter his Sabbath rest. God doesn't want us to come short of it. The time is now to enter into Sabbath rest. Today is the day. This takes us on to the next absolute statement. The kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus said to Pilate, My kingdom is not of this realm or this world. John 18.36 His kingdom was on the earth, but it was a completely different kingdom to the one Pilate knew, which was of the world. Jesus says his kingdom operates to a completely different sound or drum. He says if his kingdom was of earth, the world, then his servants would be fighting so that he would not be handed over to the Jews. John 18.36 Jesus' kingdom is just as real, tangible and current today as it was 2,000 years ago. So the question remains, are we entering into and living from this kingdom of God dimension now? Is this kingdom of God being established in and through us so we are completely capable of modeling this kingdom life out? Remember the time this was fulfilled was 2,000 years ago. Let's look at these two passages which say the same thing but use different words slightly in relation to us having this eternal life. Matthew 11, 11 to 12. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violent men take it by force. Luke 16, 16. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the gospel of the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is forcing his way into it. The key phrases in these scriptures are violent men take it by force, Matthew. Everyone is forcing his way into it, Luke. There is nothing passive about the kingdom dimension. Passive people don't enter into this kingdom life within them or through them. We must be actively seeking and pursuing to not only enter the kingdom life, but to be constantly having it increase within us. Jesus wants his life, dominion, rulership, authority in us coming forth from us. This is what the attitudes of being are all about. The be attitudes are the kingdom of God attitudes of being. They are to be our inner realm of heart and mind, 
and they are to be manifested in and through us. This is an absolute fight for his kingdom reality. And it says in Matthew 11, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. The pharisaical spirit, the flesh, is very anti this kingdom of God, this inner life reality, and it will do everything in its power to shut off this kingdom life from those who are attempting to enter into it. It does this because the pharisaical spirit wants to stay in control and ultimately be God of one's own life. Matthew 23, 13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from people, for you do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Now right here is where we must fully grasp this complete reality of this kingdom dimension. This is all first a spiritual dimension and not a physical dimension. The Pharisee and the scribe is a blind spirit that exists in all of mankind. It's not a physical person primarily, but a blind spirit called the flesh. Flesh hates the spirit. We can be a follower and live, hear and see, think entirely from the flesh and be in opposition to others who live from the spirit. Jesus too had flesh as he had to be made like us and be tempted. Hebrews 2.17, Hebrews 4.15. But he never lived from the flesh and never sinned. He was full of the Spirit's power and was led by the Spirit and demonstrated for us a life of the Spirit or a life of righteousness. From the inside out, Jesus was full of light. There was no darkness in him because of the Spirit life within him. Hence, everything he was and everything he did was of the Father. Hence, he did amazing works. We too are called to do greater works, but it must come from this place and posture that operated within Christ, the Spirit entirely. Jesus became man to demonstrate what's possible as a man when our lives are completely in the Spirit. The overcoming is the flesh first, not the devil. We must not live from our old life, the flesh, but we must live from the spirit man. This is why there is still division in the body of Christ, i.e., I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Christ, because our flesh, our soul, our mind, will, and emotion still directs our lives. The kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, peace, and the Holy Spirit, Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of the world is jealousy, selfish ambition, disorder, evil things, James 3, 15-16. As leaders and followers, we can be the hypocrites who profess Christ and his way and then stop and prevent others entering into this kingdom life. We shut it off from others and we violently attack those who are taking it by force. We do this because we are ultimately afraid of letting go of the control of our lives to God. We profess God with our words, but we have removed our hearts from him. The flesh wants to stay God and be in control, so it can ultimately reject the spirit, which is the spirit of truth, the word of God, and establish for itself another Jesus and a different gospel, which is not really different, but a distortion of the true gospel. This gospel appeases the flesh and feeds it 
where the true gospel or the true knowledge of God pierces the flesh and crucifies the flesh. So it is no longer operates and the person is now able to live in and from the spirit, demonstrating the life of the spirit and having the fruit of the spirit produced within them. This is the kingdom of God. The true gospel causes one to fall upon the rock and have the spirit of pride broken into pieces. So the spirit of humility is established. This spirit of humility is the first beatitude of being as the new man. This is true biblical repentance, which produces Christ-like in a person. Godly sorrow doesn't produce regret, but life. 2 Corinthians 7.10 John the Baptist said to the Pharisee, the scribe, to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. This is the religious spirit. It acts like the true follower, but it has no power to live out a Christ-like life. It has a form of godliness, but it has said no to the true gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation. 1 Corinthians 1.18 It denies the power, the true gospel, that pierces the heart. The religious spirit continues to learn, but never comes into the knowledge of the truth, which means it is unable to live out truth. The true gospel empowers us to live out what truth calls us to. If we continue to reject, deny, deflect, fight against, ignore, hide from, justify the true gospel away, we won't be changed. We will stay exactly the same. Our flesh will have its way, and to those who sow to the flesh, they reap from the flesh. We are to become who God says we are, but to become who we are, we must address the real issues that hold us back. This is what Jesus and the true gospel addresses. This is what the kingdom message addresses. Who really is the Lord or King of our lives? Is it still us as born again, spirit-filled believers? This reality will get tested when the truth, the gospel of power is spoken. This brings us to the next statement Jesus made, repent. I mentioned there are real issues that prevent us living out who we actually are in Christ. What are these serious issues that keep followers of Jesus unable to live the way truth calls us to? The first one is unbelief is a killer. Hebrews 3.19 So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Mark 9.24 Immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. The second aspect is incorrect thinking of mindsets. Matthew 16, 23. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. For you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. Peter's thinking meant he was a stumbling block to Jesus and the purposes of God. Peter was actively anti-Christ in this moment and is a serious need of a new mindset when it came to the purposes of God and how God administers the outworking of his purposes. Jesus says that Peter's mind is demonic because it sets itself on man, self, lust, the flesh. This is a very serious issue, and it only has negative consequences associated with it if it remains unchanged. No wonder we are transformed through the renewing of our mind by the Spirit. When we can't see as He sees, when we don't have vision, we are walking out of alignment to Him. 
When the purpose we have is functional, not relational, we run a very high risk of being like Peter. Ephesians 4, 23 to 24. And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness, holiness of the truth. Every flesh mindset is in opposition to Christ and his purposes. The problem is many of us are unaware of the mindsets we carry that are stumbling blocks to Christ and his purposes. If our thinking forms our understanding and our understanding determines what we believe and what we believe is incorrect, then our lives won't reflect what they are supposed to. We are in unbelief to God and his truth. Once again, we will be living an anti-Christ life. Our lives won't look like they are supposed to to which means we won't be able to be the demonstration of a life of righteousness as Christ was. This doesn't mean we are not right in his eyes. Peter was still right, but at this point, he couldn't live out the life he was called to because of his thinking. The love of Christ was covering Peter and it covers us, but it is also for the purpose of our transformation. God desires lives of righteousness to be lived out. The battlefield is of the mind because it controls our thoughts and our thoughts release us or bind us. The mind is like a gate that opens and releases or shuts and encloses. If our minds are carnal, fleshly, set on man's interest, it will always close off and shut down the ways of the kingdom. If the mind is the first primary operating system of understanding kingdom truth, we are in trouble and won't be able to live as he calls us to. This operating system thinks rationally and logically rather than revelationally. It operates from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which root systems is dead, even though it can acquire things that are true. We may find ourselves ultimately in opposition to Christ and being a stumbling block to him, just like Peter was. If we are a leader, this will have even more negative consequences and we will also lead others away from the kingdom of God and into our version of it. Matthew 23, 13. The carnal mind listens and judges everything it hears through the filters of logic, reason, and rationale. The knowledge of the tree of good and evil, which root system is dead, hence it struggles to grasp the truth that changes us in our soul. The word of God is living and active. It judges the carnal mind and rejects and denies and ignores to maintain itself. It justifies and deflects the truth away from itself. The thoughts and intentions of the heart are exposed. And yet it's when the word is spoken, it activates the beliefs in the mind, which exposes the attention of the attitude in the heart. It's a revealed word or the revealed word of God that changes us. So the carnal mind can't understand a revealed word because it's of the spirit. This is why we must hear to receive first and through this receiving, understanding what we have received will follow. When we attempt to hear to understand, first we are operating from the opposite mode of being to the kingdom of God. This is the flesh mode of operating. It's in the mind first and not the spirit. And yet understanding starts in the heart or the spirit.
This is why a revealed living word exposes and reveals the true intentions, attitudes, beliefs, convictions of all our hearts. The mind engages and out of the heart man speaks. Matthew 15, 18 to 19. All this is the evidence of the person's true soul realm. We may all have been made right in our spirits through his righteousness, but we will truly get to see where our minds, wills, and emotions lie through this process. This is where we will find true spiritual oneness or division in the body. Most play the conformity game and don't go anywhere near this true reality of oneness as it exposes all of man's interests. This is what the true word gospel does for the purpose of bringing his life into all these areas so we can live as he lived, a life of righteousness, the true kingdom life. The mind of Christ is a mind of complete truth. So the more we have his mind, the more we come into an agreement with his kingdom truth and purposes. This is the mind that is truly one with Christ and one another. The mind of Christ is a revealed mind of life, freedom, rest, power, abundance, love, everything that is Jesus. This mind operates outside of the parameters of a fleshly mind. Hence, the carnal mind is in opposition or disagreement to a true kingdom mindset. How can we be one if we don't all have his mind as the scripture teaches? Romans 12, 16. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind. Philippians 2, 2. Make my joy complete by being of the same mind. Romans 15, 5. Now, may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another, according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are to live a life of repentance, having our minds transformed completely, so we can prove God's will through the demonstration of our lives. Romans 12, 2. We are to know and live this life now because the time is fulfilled for us to be. Repentance, metanoia, means a complete change of attitude, spiritual and morale toward God, to change one's way of life as a result of a complete change of thought or attitude. 1 Corinthians 2.11 says, The thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. We have been given the Spirit of God so we can know the things freely given to us by God. It's the Spirit's role to lead us into all truth so we have Christ's mind and live the way he intends us to live. If we have his mind, we will live as he instructs. Repentance is the key to attaining the complete mind of Christ. If we all enter into repentance as the church, we would see a people that the scriptures speak of. It is all possible in God as the Spirit lives in us to be our teacher. This flows straight into believe the word of God. To believe is to be fully convinced of what is written and spoken. As we live a life of repentance, the innate outcome is to believe what we hear and read. When we are fully convinced, we start to live fully convinced lives where we are no longer saying one thing and living the opposite. This is hypocrisy. What we say, we live, because our hearts are no longer removed from him. 
but are given over wholeheartedly to him in 100% devotion and abandonment. We have become his prayer that we would be one, John 17. Having an intellectual understanding or belief is not wrong, but it's not enough to cause us to live the way we are commanded to. We must have a living convictional belief that cause us to be the manifold wisdom of God lived out. Only when we believe the word of God like this will we live out who we are in him. Jesus did it all so we can live lives like this. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom is at hand now. It's a living convictional belief in the heart in God's word that eradicates fear and pride. Let's look at why fear is present in a follower of Jesus. Fear has us shrinking back from Jesus's truth. Why are followers living in fear of God, the truth? Why do we shrink back from the gospel when it is declared? Because our flesh is still living and still wants to be in control of our lives. Our flesh doesn't want to surrender to the spirit of truth. So we reject the truth that will set us free and continue to let our flesh dominate our lives. The alarming thing is many don't even realize they do this. They think they are rejecting and denying a false reality when in fact it is the truth, God, they walk away from and reject. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is death. Proverbs 14 verse 12. Perfect love casts out all fear. So to still have fear operating within us and holding us back is the evidence that we still have his love being perfected within us. God wants to perfect his love in us to his will and to his work for his good pleasure. Philippians 2.13 His perfect love casts out fear. The substance of love, God removes all fear. Fear and love cannot coexist. It's like light and darkness. When light is present, the darkness is cast out. It's the same with the love of God. Fear involves punishment or loss. The entire context is the judgment seat for reward. We are not to be in fear of his day of judgment, but have confidence in it. We have this confidence because of having love perfected in us through our abiding in Christ. Only when we truly come to know and believe God's love for us through receiving it, can we be truly set free from fear. We must truly face this obstacle and reality and give our entire lives to Christ. Only when we lose our life for his sake do we find the life he promises us. We are called to be a people of faith, not fear. Pride. The final fourth hindrance that needs to be addressed if we are to become who we truly are in Christ and live out this life is pride. This is a massive hindrance and is the core root of unbelief, incorrect mindsets, and fear. The Bible says God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. James 4 verse 6. Unless we truly fall upon the rock and get broken into pieces, the spirit of pride will still operate in us. All this, as mentioned, is a spiritual dimension. We are either poor in spirit or rich in spirit. We are all born rich in spirit or full of pride. 
So how does one go from being rich in spirit or proud in spirit to poor in spirit when one cannot change oneself? One falls upon the stone, the cornerstone, the Christ, and is broken into pieces. Luke 20 verse 18. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. It's this powerful experience that causes one to become poor in spirit and spirit of humility is born. The spirit of humility is of the new creation order. This spirit of humility starts to define all the other attitudes of being in a follower of Jesus. This, once again, is an inner realm reality and dimension. Pride is a foundational stone, and it must be broken into pieces by the true foundation, Christ himself. Jesus was humble of spirit, So when pride gets broken and replaced with Christ, we now are humble in spirit. The Israelites were builders and they rejected the chief builder, the cornerstone. When we do this, we still remain the chief builders and not Christ. We go about trying to build things only he can and we do it all in his name, but through all our own natural strength and his gifts that he have given because they are irrevocable. Luke 20, 17, the stone which the builders rejected. This became the chief cornerstone. Jesus is the builder of his church, not man, and he builds on the cornerstone himself, humility of spirit. If the spirit of pride doesn't get broken into, in all of us, we will not enter into his rest and cease from our works. This will cause us to operate from pride and still think we build the church. This posture is an inner heart one, which we don't recognize in ourselves. When the word of God is declared, the true intentions of man's heart gets exposed for what really is in it, pride or humility. This is why this entire fight is one of a spiritual nature between flesh and spirit. As we all start to come more and more into who we are in Christ, and start to live this way, righteousness, we will find ourselves being persecuted for this life. Matthew 5 verse 10. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Why is it that people who live this life of righteousness are persecuted? Because they expose the flesh that exists, and the flesh and spirit are in a direct opposition to one another. Physical relationships between people are irrelevant when it comes to flesh and spirit. Just because a couple may be married or a father and a son doesn't mean that there is not going to be persecution from one to the other. It doesn't matter about physical relationships when it comes to the spirit. Every relationship gets found out for where it truly is in its relationship with Christ. When people of righteousness model this reality, God is no respecter of human relationship over relationship with him. Matthew 10, 37, Luke 14, 25 to 27. All the intentions of man's heart get exposed when righteous sons speak and declare truth. Why leaders lead and how they lead and the purposes and reasons they do what they do all come under the microscope of truth when the truth is spoken. This is where we see division or oneness established in the body of Christ. 
This is where we see if we are all of Christ or of one another first. Only when we choose Christ first and look for our entire life in Christ will we experience and model this very life. The goal is oneness of spirit. And if this is our pursuit, then we, the church, will be the people we have been called and chosen to be. If not, we won't. When we don't live for true oneness of spirit, all our agendas, motives, and selfish ambitions get exposed. And our unwillingness to repent of these attitudes and heart positions keep us as individuals who conform to the patterns of the world, calling it unity when it is worldly conformity. Those who are of kingdom peacemakers will attempt to address these false truths in and from love in the hope that there would be a repentance which leads to transformation. The outcomes are all God's.